Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Well, listen, we, we've been in a series that we started last week t- entitled Learning from Legends. Now, learning from legends, it's not like we're learning from fairy tales, that type of legend, or make-believe people from the past. No, we're talking about real men and women that lived real lives, just like you and I, found in the narrative of Scripture. And just looking at some of their stories, I, I kind of looked at today's message as a league of legends, because we're, we're going to we're gonna dive around. We're going to talk about Job's going to pour into our life a little bit. Solomon's going to pour a little bit into our life. King David's going to pour a little bit into our life. And so, so I just want you to kind of lean in. I, I've entitled the message today, Made for More. If you remember last week, it was entitled, You Were Made for This. Uh, today, it's You Were Made for More. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? We thank you as we open up your word, God. We never want to... We never want to grow too familiar with the beauty and the majesty of what this moment means. Lord, we're so grateful that we have your living word. That's it's not just great principles. It's the living word of God that has the power to cut down to the very depths of our soul and by the power of your spirit bring transformation. So Holy Spirit, would you transform us today? Would you speak to us? And may we encounter you in a real way, God. In your precious name, in Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Well, uh, you know, I was, I was looking back on this reality. I was thinking about being made, made for more. And one of the things that as we, we navigate through uh, our time, as we learn from some legends, I think context is important. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, 4, it says this, for everything that was written in the past, was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And, and as I was thinking about this reality of being made for more, I came across this guy. This guy's name is John Paul Getty. He was a big oil tycoon back in the day and was a very wealthy guy. But I came across an interview, a reporter had asked him a question. This time he was at the height of his empire she said, sir, she said, is it true that your empire is worth over a billion dollars? And it said that he sat there silent for a minute or two. And he said, I I suppose so. But you know, a billion dollars doesn't go that far these days. Stop, man, what a statement. A billion dollars doesn't go that far these days. In other words, what he was saying is, it's not enough. There's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Now, now, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down, is that God hasn't called us to settle for little, but he has called us to be faithful with little. And being faithful with little can be really, really challenging when you live in a culture that doesn't want to be faithful with little, but just wants more. It, it can be really, really tough. Like when you go shopping and just toothpaste can stress you out, what kind do you want? I mean, look at that. This is just a portion of the aisle. Do you want baking soda? Do you want whitening? Do you want extra whitening? Do you want like white in three days whitening? 
I mean, there's, there's so many different aspects. And I think it's so hard to be faithful with the little and to what God has called us to when we have all of these opinions, all of these things, all of these pressures, all of these pursuits, grabbing for our affection, grabbing for our time, grabbing for our attention. And in the process of all that, it, it becomes very hard to navigate through all of those things. I, I like to call it soul traffic. We have a lot of soul traffic today. A, a lot of stuff that's happening on the inside because there's so many things coming at us, so many things we're trying to hold on to, that in that pursuit, we lose sight of God's best. We lose sight of what God has called us to. And rather than being faithful with the little, we just keep reaching for more. So I'm just wondering that, that, that today that God might want to do something in, in our hearts because when that happens, when we get the soul traffic going on, something starts to happen on the inside. Something starts to break down and we feel it. When we got a lot of soul traffic, we look in the mirror and we feel it. We look at our family and we, we, we feel it. Something is not right. Something is, something is off. We, we look at our schedule and we feel it. We look at our job and we feel it. We look at the world and it's just, I can't tell you how many of my friends that aren't following Jesus have called me or have had a conversation with me that says, I don't do the whole God thing, but something has gone wrong in this world. Like there's just so much going on on the inside. And I think when that happens, there's this this default that we gravitate toward, and, and many of us are familiar with it. Some of us wrestle with it more than others, but it's this default of stress. We start to feel overwhelmed. We start to feel overcommitted, and there's just this breakdown that starts to happen in our soul. So many options, so many things grabbing for our attention, not to mention the cultural pressures. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a student, if you're junior high, high school, college, it doesn't matter. We all feel the pressures from culture. Like, like some of us right now, we're not even living the life that we want to live. Some of us are not even living the life that God has called us to live. And many of us are living a life that everybody else wants us to live. It's just this constant pressure that culture says, this is what's normal. This is what you need. This is what you have to have. This is how you move. This is, this is it. And it just creates more traffic on the inside of our soul. Then we have the instant gratification. Yeah. Now, this, this is a problem. What, what this means, it just means fulfillment without delay or waiting. We don't, we don't like the delay and we don't like the waiting. I, I mean, today, with this next generation coming up, my heart breaks because patience is, is hard for every generation. But with this next generation coming up, I mean, think about it. Everything is delivered. And it's awesome. Like, we love it. How many guys use Amazon? We, like, we love that stuff, right? Shop local, all that good stuff, too, you know. <laughs> Got to, like, clarify so many things these days. Uh, but but we, we love the, the convenience of that. Everything can be delivered, food and flowers and furniture and clothes. In my neighborhood the other day, somebody was getting a car delivered. And, and I always wonder in that, like, do you ever do you sit in it? Or do you just look online and be like, I want that one. And they just drop it off at your front door. Just crazy. But, but we have instant answers. We get immediate feedback, yep. right? There's over 50 million people on dating apps at your fingertips. It's just they're, like there's, there's no like hard stuff anymore, like having to actually ask somebody out or talk to their parents or 
It's just, we just want instant access. TV, you don't even need to watch commercials anymore. Yeah, somebody's like, that's amazing. So good. Glad somebody thinks so. All of you stared at me like, I don't even watch TV. You're lying. That's not even true. Uh, but but we, 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 we live in an instant gratification culture. So what does it do? It just adds more to the traffic. We got the pressures. We got the instant. And then not, not to mention we have the do-it-all syndrome. Anybody ever been hit with this? Like you are a multitasking master. I am horrible at multitasking. Matter of fact, if, you, if I'm talking on the phone and you try to talk to me, you just messed up everything. Because I'm like, uh, 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 I, I just can't do it. Put me in a box. Let me focus. And I do well there. I feel like when I multitask, my IQ drops. And what I found out, that that's a real stat. That when you try to multitask, your IQ actually levels down a, a little bit. And, and so I, I feel like in these moments, especially in church, when we talk about stress, we talk about, and I'm not talking about a clinical issue that, that you need doctor's help with. I'm just talking about the, the stresses and the pressures that sometimes can lead to a clinical problem. But I'm, I'm talking about, about those things. And I think in church, sometimes what happens is this. Sometimes what happens is, is, is we, we, want to, we want you to teach me, Pastor Matt, like teach us how to juggle it all. Right, we got so much on our plate already. I mean, just a ton on our plate. A ton. I mean, just look at this. Oh, can't even hold this thing up. So we got we got all these plates, and they're all full. I used to be a waiter at Red Robin. I know it doesn't look like it, but I did good. Uh, fast. So, so, so I, I, were, I were, I know in these moments, it's like, okay, Pastor Matt, I know I have all these plates, and I know that the will of God is on that plate. So I just need you to teach me how to grab that plate with all of these plates. And that's what we want. So many times, I know that's God's will over there. I really want that plate. And I could probably teach you a technique to grab it. And you're like, see? But it's not sustainable. And over a period of time, and you try to walk, I'm about to drop it right now. It, it's just, it's just, it doesn't work. And so there, there's some things that in order to get God's best, we have to make some decisions. We have to, we have to relook at some things. And so, so some of our life, some of the stress, it's, it's been welcome. We're holding on to things that God has never called us to hold on to. And, and, it's, and it's not sustainable. And so, so we kind of feel in the moment. Like me trying to excel in my career, maintain a social life, drink enough water, exercise, text everybody back, stay sane, survive, and be happy. Amen. And, we feel, and, we, and we feel that. Like it's a funny meme, but, but we feel that. I mean, how many guys have, like we were sitting, I was sitting at breakfast with somebody the other day, and our phones were just, I mean, the text. He looked at me, he's like, you too? I'm like, man, it's hard. It's hard to get back because there's just so many coming through. And, and so, so I, I want you to get this picture because... I'm not an expert on stress, but I dealt with anxiety severely in my life. And by the grace of God, God has helped me to, to navigate it. But one thing I know is that when you start to stress, your adrenal glands start to, to get activated. And you start to feel a little bit more vibrant, energetic, right? The cortisol starts to kick in. And cortisol starts to, 
um, uh, that chemical in your brain, it starts to override things. Uh, your liver starts to produce glucose at a rapid pace. Your blood starts to pump uh, more, like your heart starts to pump race faster. Your blood starts to pump more. And what that does is it draws the skin away from your blood, right? Which is great for a fight. Because your blood also clots a lot better when you're stressed. So, if, you know, if, you, if you're an actual fighter, if you get hurt or wounded, you don't bleed as bad. Your muscles get stronger. Your pupils get a little bit more uh, uh, dilated and in tune so you can see better. Like all your senses get heightened. And some of you are like, I love that. Like that is great. I, just give me some of this. Just this. Man, that's, that's amazing. And here's the crazy part is God has designed us like this. Some say God hasn't designed us for stress. No, he has in its proper context. God has designed us. He's given us this ability, but it's meant to be when there's a threat. It's meant to be where there's action needed to run away from something that's, that's hurting you. So we look at it, we're like, man, this is a positive thing. All of my senses are heightened. But see, the problem is this, is they are. But we have this issue of, called, called sin that always fractures God's design, always wants to interrupt. Like God designed stress to play a part in our life, but not to encompass. But sin comes in and it distorts. Like stress is good if you're fighting a bear. You're going to want a little bit of adrenaline. If, if, if there's a moment where you have to run, but, but, but not when you're on the couch and you feel like you're fighting a bear. God hasn't designed life to be like that, where, where stress is so consistent over and over and over. You just feel, oh, you feel it in your soul. And as you look at these different areas, you just know that something is wrong. What ends up happening is, is, is that begins to turn on you. All those senses start to turn on you. You start to burn out. You start to get fried. Your health starts to dwindle. You start to age. I mean, look at Abraham Lincoln beginning of his presidency, the end of it. How many of you guys know his, his blood has seeped away from his skin a little bit? And, and guess what happens? That glucose that's producing, it many times turns into diabetes. The cortisol, if it's not dealt with, depletes all the dopamine and serotonin in your brain so that you cannot live peaceful or tranquil. And so, so it starts to turn on you when it's consistent. Now, one of the legends in the scripture, his name is Job. And I love what Job says. Job says it like this. He says, my days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. Job was like, man, we're just skimming through life. So fast, no joy, hard to engage, hard to be president, pre present. It's hard to be president. Uh, hard to be present, consumed by everything. And we're just skimming through and there's no depth. There's no depth in our marriage. There's no depth in our relationship with our kids. You know that the, the average time that a kid talks to their parents on a day is five minutes a day. And normally it's just logistics. There's no depth in our relationship with God. Our relationships are suffering. Our friendships. And, we, and then, then on top of it all, we don't know how to rest properly. And then we start to get numb. Our emotions start to get numb. We hear about things that are happening in the world and we could care less because our hearts and our schedules are so full. There's no time to pray. We, we become cynical. We become a little bit jaded. And we're just like, man, what in the world? How do I, how do I, how do I put down some of these plates? And again, like I told you a couple of weeks ago, it's not just about practical things. Because I'm going to give you a context towards the end, and it's going it's to it's all piece together. But it's not just about 
some principles we need. It's about we need to correct what we actually believe. We need to invite the Lord and the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts, say, do I really believe this? For example, this, do you believe that it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does? We would say this is the right answer, but we don't live like this a lot because we live in a culture that says more is better, right? If I have $1, two is better. Or if I have one car, two is, if I have one kid, two is debatable, <laughs> debatable, right? If, if I have one wife, two is wrong, wrong. So more isn't always, it's not always better. But what, one thing that I hear, especially when it comes to our walk with God, is I just don't have the time. It's the time. You know that you will eat out about 14,181 times. In, in your lifetime, or 14,411. 1,800 of those statistically will be at McDonald's. Rough. You know, 13 years of your life will be in front of a screen, statistically. Five years of your life you'll be waiting in line. Starbucks and Disneyland. Five years of your life. You know, they, they say statistically you'll spend one year of your life looking for lost things. Five. Jackie makes fun of me. She's like, for you, it's going to be like three years. <laughs> like lose everything. But, but you'll travel 627,000 miles you'll travel in a vehicle. That's 25 times around the globe. So it's never a matter of do we have the time, but it's a matter of how, how, are, we, how are we spending it. So Ecclesiastes, the wisest man on the face of the planet, says this, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I use this passage a lot because it's so necessary. But do you believe this? Do you believe it's better to have one handful with peace rather than two and just fight and stress and wrestle your entire life? See, the contrast between Solomon and Job is really interesting. Job had everything, lost it, came to the conclusion that God was enough. He said, Lord, at the end of Job's life, he's like, man, or at the end of the book of Job, we see that Job was like, man, my eyes have seen you. I thought I knew. I didn't know. You alone are enough. Solomon, on the other hand, had everything that you could possibly want in life. I mean, castles. I mean, Solomon thought more wives were better. He had like a thousand. He planted forests, kingdoms, party. I mean, just a lavish life that you and I can't even fathom. And at the end of his life, he said, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. He said, it's all vanity. It's all chasing after the wind. The only thing that matters is to fear God and keep his command. So Job lost everything and said, God is enough. Solomon gained everything and said, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So do you really believe this reality? The second belief is this. Do you really believe that it's better to live by God's design than our default? Like there's a way that God has designed the world. To operate. There's a way that God has designed relationships to work. There's a way that God has designed life to flow. In fact, God designed you specifically and uniquely. Like that, that's why step two of, of our growth track focuses on, on design. Because a lot of us, we, we wander around doing a whole bunch of different things, chasing here, running here, doing this, and, and we're not living by design, we're really living by default. And not realizing that God has uniquely wired us. God has made us special. God has made us on purpose for purpose. 
But if we never come to understand, like, man, what, God, what have you, how have you designed me, and what does that mean as I follow you and serve you for the rest of my life? Uh, the, the people of Israel, just like them, God has designed us to live by faith in him. Well, rather than living by faith in him, they defaulted to themselves, which led them to unbelief. And this is so heartbreaking. It's for 40 years, they wandered around their destiny rather than running into it. All because they were living by default and not by God's design. Solomon continues, or the psalmist David, King David says it this way, Psalm 139. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. King David, if there was one thing that King David knew, he was, a, he, he was far from a perfect man. But what he did know was that he, he knew that God intricately knows him. And, and he was a firm believer that, God, you know the beginning from the end. And so I can trust your design. I may step out of it once in a while and, and suffer the consequences. But David was quick to correct back to God, quick to correct back to God's heart. David was like, man, I'm not going to live by default. God, I want to live by your design. Do you believe that? Or do you think it's better to live by default? The third one is this, is do you believe that it's better to get the good things done rather than more things done? Is it better? Now, now this may sound really simple and maybe even a little bit cheesy, but it's, it's a great question. Do you really believe this, that it's better to get the God things done rather than more things done? Like God things. I'm talking about the, 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 the priorities that God lays out for us. Like, do you, do you find that more fulfilling? Do you find that better? Some of us, man, we're not living intentionally at all. It looks like we are. And we even brag, like, we're getting tons of stuff done. But you ever had a day where you got tons of stuff done, but you still, at the end of the day, feel so unfulfilled? Yeah. And at the end of that day, you're just like, I don't know what's wrong. I mean, I got a lot of work. I got a lot of stuff done, but... But maybe it's because there's some God rocks that we haven't prioritized. And so, so deep on the inside of your soul and it, through all of that traffic, there is this nagging sense of I'm, I'm not focused on the right things. And as a result, when I look out, man, I see it and I'm disappointed. You know, we live in a world where stress is celebrated, where we are overworked. And, and it's, it's looked at as like, man, way to go. And I'm, not, I'm for hard work. I'm just for hard intentional work. You know that we will, as a generation, we will work 187 more hours in the previous generation. That's an entire month more a year. And, and, and what tells me is this, and as a pastor, I'm always looking at the data, right? And what that tells me is, is depression is on an all-time high. Suicides are on an all-time high. I mean, all these stats are up. So what it's basically saying is it's not, it's not working well. It's not working well. Solomon said it this way. He says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. And so here, here's Solomon, one of the, the wisest people to ever walk the face of the planet, says an intelligent person aims at wise, wise action. This word intelligent, it means a discerning person, one who, who considers diligently their moves and their steps who understands where, what they're giving their life to. And so as we look at that, some of you might be saying, man, I believe it, but I don't know if that's really a reality in my life. Like, I know that these are true statements. I, I should be believing this way. 
But Pastor Wayne Cadero, he, he always, he said one phrase that has stuck with me for the last 20 years. He said, you will t- Matt, you can teach people what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. And I've kind of modified that a little bit. And what I like to say is you can tell people what you think, but you will live what you believe. So you can say all the right answers. I see it all the time. I see it in my own life. I could give you all the right answers, but I could also give you five ways on how I'm not living like that. And so we are far more learned than we are lived. And a big part of that is because we really don't believe this stuff. And we need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to reshape and to say, Lord, what plates do I need to to lay down? I, I love what Isaiah says. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three says, you keep him in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Because he trusts in you. Now, this word stay, it means to lean on. It means to rest upon. It, it literally means to throw oneself on the ground, face down, just totally before in a posture of trust and surrender. And so, so if you read this a little bit differently, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is leaning on, resting upon, laying face down, fully surrendered, and trusting you. You'll keep him in perfect peace. But how do, we, how do we maintain, like how do we, how does this flesh out in our life on a Monday? Like Pastor Matt, this is true. Like I know this is true. But, but I, I still get sucked into the race. I still get sucked into the pressures and the instant and, the, and, and all of these different elements that just, I got so much traffic in my soul. And you know it. And, and some of you, you know it. And you've been walking with Jesus. And so even as I'm preaching this message, you've checked out because you say, I know it. That's not the question to ask. The question is, am I living this? Is this a reality in my life? And so if, if you and I are going to strangle stress, there's going to be a couple key things that, that are going to be important. Number one is this. You've got to have some gauges you got to have specific gauges in your life that you're constantly looking at. You know, it, it's interesting to me that we have gauges for everything. Our car, we have numbers and statistics and all these things. But not a whole lot of people have a gauge for, for their spiritual health. Not a lot of people have a gauge for their relationships or their marriage. Like, there's not gauges that we're looking at all the time. We become very good at functioning mechanically. But then a lot of times if we don't have gauges, when that stuff starts to tank or starts to die down, we're like, man, I'm not really sure what exactly to do. Like if you're single right now and there's not a gauge for purity, like you haven't, you haven't specifically kind of developed a plan around what it looks like to date or what it looks like to honor Christ with your body in this season. Like if there's not a specific gauge, it can be so like you just just keep driving. And just keep moving forward. And so, so, so we want to have some gauges to say, man, am I really lining up with God's design, with the way that God has ordered things? But gauges, and they're, they're good. Gauges are super good. How many of you guys know the gas gauge? It's super good and helpful. But only if you look at it. Right. Like some of us, we have all, like we have books and we have all this stuff. They sit on shelves, and they, but we never look. Pastor James and I, Pastor James just turned 40 years old yesterday. 40 years old. The big 4-0. 
So on Tuesday, on Tuesday, I said, hey, let's let's rent some bikes and let's go. Let's go ride for the day. Right. And so it was super spontaneous. We we're like, let's just go for it. And uh, we used to ride back before we had kids. We had bikes and then we had kids. He got a BMW. I got a Yaris. So um, but but we, we used to we used to ride together. And and it's, it's so fun. So we rented some bikes. And we're, we're going out. We're going to do this long ride, like out up Mount Hamilton in San Jose. We're going to drop down into Mines Road, come back around uh, through Livermore. Uh, my good friend, Fina, who attends our church um, and is a part of our team here, key leader here. He, uh, he showed me this route. Amazing. And so we, we get up to Mount Hamilton. We, we pick up the bikes. We rent them online. You can rent bikes online, gear, everything. And so we, we rent them online. We pick up his bike in Milpitas, and Pastor James has the Ducati. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful bike. We're like, man, it's a beautiful bike. But, but the only problem was it didn't have a gas gauge. So I'm like, how do you have like an expensive bike and not a gauge on it? And so the guy told us that it was a full tank. And the only way that you know that it's empty is the light starts blinking. So we're up in the middle of nowhere. We're at the Mount Hamilton. I mean, all you see, it's so quiet. You, you think that you hear things, right? And all of a sudden I, I see him and we're, we're waiting for some construction to go by. He's like, bro. My gas light's blinking. I'm like, what? I've only used two bars and I came from Livermore. He's like, man, the guy told me it was full. I was like, well, what did the gauge say? He's like, there is no gauge. I'm like, what? And so, so at that moment, how many of you guys know what we had to do? We had to turn around. Because the, the, the moment that the gauge, the moment that we identify that, that something is broken down, the moment we see that we're running on empty, it shifts the entire trajectory. All of a sudden, we, we have to make a move right away. And so for Pastor James, I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. And so he coasted like down Mount Hamilton, uh, barely riding it, pushing it. We made it to the gas station by the grace of God. But, but I'm just wondering if, if we have some clear gauges spiritually that we're constantly looking at. Uh, uh, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 39, it says, show me, O Lord. Like, like show me, God. I, I need you to show me. I want to be mindful that my life's, and, and the number of my days, let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth, the span of my years as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those, look at this, who seem secure. You ever look at people, you're like, man, they just seem so secure. King David's like, it's a mirage. Because only God knows. And when's the last time that you reflected on those big rocks, those most important things in your life, and you invited the Holy Spirit to come and speak into those things. Like you graded yourself honestly and just said, Lord, how am I doing here? My, my wife and I, we set up for our kids these little pillars, these little glass vases with marbles. And the marbles represent how many weekends left we have with our, each kid. So it could be kind of depressing, right? Because you're looking at Hannah's. Hannah's is really full. We've got a lot of weekends left with Hannah. Abby's goes down a little bit. But I look at Olivia's. And what we do is we, take out a, we would take out a marble every week. And so every weekend that, that's gone by, and you just see that start to dwindle. And can I just tell you, that gauge, it changes something on the inside of you. It, it, makes, you, it makes you realize, whoa, 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 how many weekends do I have left with you until you're 18 years old? I mean, you'll probably be here another five years. But, uh, you know, like, how many gauges? And so, so I'm just wondering if, if we have some of those in our life, if, if we're looking at where our, our money's going, where our time is going, if we ask some friends and family around us, hey, how am I doing in, in these areas? These are important to me. How am I doing? What do you see from the outside? People you trust. So after we evaluate, 
What do we need to do? We need to make some tough decisions. Can I just say that the Bible is more than practical, but it's not less than. And this, this again, it's make tough decisions. After you evaluate, this is probably the hardest part. It's, it's kind of painful to evaluate. It's even more painful to make a decision in regards to what you've found. Yeah. And to say, okay, Lord, I, I need to, to put down this plate. Man, I, I'm just telling you, there, there's a, a gentleman uh, by the name of it was John Rich or Gary Richmond. And Gary Richmond, he was studying with some zoologists and some, some zoo keepers that took care of king cobras, snakes. And so what they would do with king cobras is there's a lot of venom. And so, you know, but they have to hold them in order to get the venom out. And so what they do is they pull the snake out and they have the snake, snake latch onto um, a, a roll of paper towels and they just milk the venom. Uh, and it soaks up into the paper and then they take it off and release the snake. So he's walking through this process, and he's getting ready to release the snake. And the zookeeper's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. He said, listen, man, more people get bit while releasing the snake than they do catching it. And it was funny. When I heard that, I thought, man, some of us, we're holding some things that are poisonous. We're holding some things right now that, that are, are they're dangerous, right? And they have the potential to kill some very important aspects of our life, our marriages, our relationship with God, our, our relationships, our, and the list goes on. But can I just tell you, making tough decisions, almost every time you're going to get bit. Because to let something go, it's painful. It's, it, it doesn't always feel good, especially if it's something profitable. Especially if it's something that still has some value to you, but it's not the ultimate value. So it's, it's, it can be so hard to let that go. But it's, it's a discernment. It's, it's, it's worth the bite. I mean, you want to be mindful of how you're letting it go, but, but you, you want to let it go. And it can be painful, and it can be unpopular. You know, Jackie and I, when we were, uh, as we were raising our girls, uh, we're still raising them, but as, uh, when they were younger, we had them on a super strict schedule. And so sometimes we couldn't go out to places because we want to make sure they're at home on time. There were just some not for sales that we established in our life. That this just isn't for sale. Our girls' sleeping schedule, it's just not for sale. We're just, we'll leave early. We'll do whatever we can. And people would be like, oh, don't you think you're a little over the top? I mean, uh. And so we kind of feel the pressure a little bit. But, but we were willing to, to, to make the tough decision to say, no, we may miss out on some things. And we may take the hit on some things. And people may think we're like a little high strung. But can I tell you what? Our girls are on a great rhythm. And it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for us. And, and they get up before us. They get a full night's sleep. And as a married couple, I can't remember one night outside of our girls being sick that Jackie and I haven't had together. And so they get what they need. Our marriage gets what it needs. I mean, and so, but, but it, 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 it causes or we had to let some things go in order to get the best of what God had called us to do. And so I, I love this, this psalm. It says this, teach us, O Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And this is where I, I kind of want to land the plane. Elvis, you can come up and, and play. This, this, is, this is important. I have a couple passages left, but I, I want you to, to really lean into this one. What the psalmist is saying is not that, oh, listen, uh, just manage your time better. No, the psalmist is saying, teach me, Lord, because I'm having a hard time with this. What this psalm reminds us of is the frailty of humanity and the fracture that sin has created in our hearts. And we just, 
We have a hard time with this. We're still ignorant in a lot of ways and need God to teach us. There's so many things that, I mean, we're, we're so quick to exchange truth for unrighteousness, like Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. I mean, there's so many different aspects of our life, and we convince ourselves many times, we convince ourselves that we're going to live for a long time, especially if we're healthy. There's just this feeling of, it's not going to happen to me, it's just, I'm going to be here forever, it's just, and the psalmist is saying, no, Lord, we need you to teach us, and be mindful of us, God, that because we don't know how to navigate this a ton. This is a beautiful picture of surrender. To say, Lord, I need you to teach me the reality of life and that life really is just a breath away, just a vapor. It's here for a moment and then gone. Can I just tell you, there's so many, so many of, my, of my friends, like I said, that, that have talked to me in recent days. There's this sense of, man, is the end of the world coming? Like they're just looking out into the chaos. And it just feels like time is getting shorter and shorter. The return of Christ, I mean, it, it just feels so at hand. And when you start to live in that reality, it, it, it changes things. When you're living in the reality of Christ's return, when you're living in the reality that this life is, is here for a moment and then gone, the psalmist is saying, Lord, we, we need you to deliver us from ourselves because left to ourselves, we just don't get it and we're gonna waste what you have entrusted us, even the little. So, so I want to invi- invite you, listen, you're gonna, there's going to be moments where you have to make some tough decisions, but can I just tell you, it's all, it, it's all, it's all so worth it. It's so worth it. In fact, you were made for more, but not how the world describes that. The kingdom of God, it's a reversal of values. It's an upside down kingdom. We talked a lot about that in our Beatitude series. But, but I want you to get this picture, is that, is that we must become less, that he would become more. This is the secret. The secret is not us becoming more. The secret is us becoming less and him becoming more, him taking the throne and the center seat of our heart. This, this is the reality. This is how more is best. See, a lot of times we worry and we're frantic And a big part of that is because we're afraid, right? We're afraid of future problems. We're afraid of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknowns. Can I just tell you, there's some healthy aspects in the scriptures that really tell us like, man, there's a a weight that we carry as followers of Jesus. Like when we look at the church, Paul said, man, I have a burden for the church. I have a burden for the people of Israel. Like like there's, there's a weight there and that's healthy. There's a healthy concern. Scripture also teaches that we're to bear one another's burdens. Like that's healthy. But we're never meant to carry all these plates and all this weight as if we are God and can handle it. You know, I, I think about I think about John 3:30, where John the Baptist says this beautiful picture. It said that no, no greater man ever lived than John the Baptist, Jesus said. We're like, man, he. He didn't seem super great. But in God's eyes, John was faithful to what God had entrusted to him, faithful to what he had called him to, that he was one that would simply prepare the way for the Lord. He would live a life of obscurity. And the moment that Jesus arose on the scene, John began to fade away. And John said, oh no, I've learned that he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. 
See, God has always been in control, just to let you know, whether you've liked it or not, or whether you like it or not, God is really sovereign and he, he's in control. And sometimes we're, we're afraid of what can happen, but sometimes we're not afraid at all. Sometimes we get anxious and stressed when we're in that place. We're concerned because there is a sinful belief that we are in control of our life. And we like that. And we desire, there's a sense of us, that there's a part of us that desires to want to rule and reign over our life. Like there's a sense of, man, I do kind of want to be like you in that sense, God. I want to rule and reign. I want to be, I want to have the reins. In fact, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you will not certainly die, the devil said to Eve. She partook in the fruit. The serpent said to the woman, he said, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, Eve. Isn't that what you really want? You want to be like God, knowing good from evil. See, we've always lived a life dependent on God. But what happens is this. Are you ready? Can you lean in? Just last, last point. Is when those moments happen of tragedy or, or, or something happens, right? You get a bad doctor's report. Man, your relationship, something goes south. Something didn't work out the way that you planned. You invested all this and it's just like, man, what's going on? It's in those moments, God, nothing's really changed. God is still in control. But in that moment, we're just very well aware that we are not in control. And so it's, it's always been that God is in control, but part of us still thinks that we're in control. And in those moments, we just come to the reality that we are really not in control. And so it stresses us and it gives us anxiety. And there's a human part of it that's just, yeah, we're human and we're disappointed and all that stuff, but we were never created to rule over God. We were created to live under him. And so when we try to become more than we were created to be, we actually get less. We become less. And so I want you to get this place, but you, all these things, uh, to get some gauges, make some tough decisions, become less that he would become more. All of that is, is, it's just smoke if you don't understand the gospel. Because it's not until you see that Jesus emptied his plate, that your plate would be full, that you're going to even want to evaluate. I remember when Peter, uh, Peter was out fishing. He didn't catch a thing all night. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side. And they caught all this fish. What happened to Peter in that moment? Overwhelmed with the goodness and the kindness of God. He fell to his knees and he said, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. It was the goodness of God and the greatness of God in Peter's life. And Peter was just blown away. Peter fell to his knees. And there's something powerful that when we see that Jesus emptied his plate on the cross, it gave it all that our plate might be full. It's in that place we'll get some healthy gauges. It's in that place that we're willing to make the tough decision because we saw that he had a great gauge. He saw us stuck in our sin and he didn't leave us there. That he had a great gauge. He had a tough decision to make in the garden. Father, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He made some tough decisions on our behalf. And as we see the beauty of that, it motivates us to do the same by the power of the spirit of God in our life that we with John the Baptist can say, no, no, no. life is best lived when I become less and he becomes so much more. Jesus said this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow nor, nor reap 
nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add to a single hour of your life? What Jesus is saying is, no, you can't. No, you can't. That he is the sustainer of all things. That whether we like it or not, we are dependent upon him. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, said this to his friend Philip. Philip was always full of stress and anxiety. He said, Philip, cease to rule the world. You're unqualified for the job. And every time you and I try to grab a hold of the reins, the Lord is saying, listen, that's a job that you are not qualified for. But if you get focused on my goodness, on my sovereignty, that I'm in control of all things, and my wisdom, and you trust me, there's a peace that comes with that and a security both in this life and the life to come. And it's in that space that God says, that's the life of more. That's the life of more. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls in toil. Let me pray for you. Father, as we, uh, as we leave today, I pray that, God, you would let this settle in our hearts. Speak to our hearts and our minds today. Lord, I, this message is for all of us. Lord, we all wrestle in this space. May you become more and we become less. Listen, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to get right with God today. Whether you're online or you're in person online, you can simply call that number and we'd love to pray with you. If you're in person, our prayer team is going to be up here right after service. Would you let us pray with you? And even if, even if you, you just feel kind of trapped by some of the pressure or you just maybe know somebody that is, will you let us pray with you, either for you or for somebody else? Let us stand in the gap with you today that he would become more and we would become less because Jesus said that's where life is best lived. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.